0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, September 7th. I'm Nyla Boudou. It's great to be back with you. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Afghan refugees at the mercy of an overwhelmed immigration system, plus the new growth of organized labor in the U.S. But first, today's one big thing. Mike Allen on the roadblocks in front of President Biden as we head into this fall. It's been a turbulent political summer, most recently with the Texas abortion ban that dominated the headlines last week. Now that summer's over, everyone is back from vacation, including me, and back to work and school. And so I'm wondering, as we look towards the fall, what is next? No better to ask that than Axios co-founder Mike Allen. Good morning, Mike. Nyla, welcome back. Thank you. Mike, it's the first week of fall, What does the agenda look like for President Biden in this first week back to work?
1: I've not had so many different tracks playing as we started to fall in all the time that I've been doing this. So look at what we've got, like at home, massive time for the Biden agenda, uh, finishing out the summer. Senator Joe Manson said, oh, by the way, let's uh, hit pause on that 3.5 trillion dollars uh, that you queued up uh, to rewire uh, the American safety net uh, might be less than that. So that is going on an extremely solemn week, of course, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We'll be hearing about that all week. And then Saturday, President Biden, the first lady traveling to all three of the sites for that day, like a very emotional uh, trip and moment. And this is what I mean about so many tracks. Early in the week, President Biden is going to be in Queens and New Jersey today after Ida, and New Orleans still doesn't have electricity. It's more than leaders have dealt with ever, and I have not said one word, Nyla. What's that word? Afghanistan.
0: Mike, so much of what we've talked about, it seems like, with the Biden presidency is what President Biden has on his agenda versus what keeps happening in the world. How much of how much are we going to see that interplay this week in particular?
1: Yeah, now, uh, President Biden, who had been on a roll, things had been going pretty well for him. His agenda had been on track The economy jobs were on track. COVID vaccinations were on track. Now all those individually are at risk. And now you have the backdrop of a massive international crisis with questions about how his administration handled it. These, of course, are all interlinked. They all depend on his attention, his competence, his popularity, his Muscle. And that's the drama for this fall.
0: What's the bottom line here then?
1: The bottom line President Biden has more at risk at home and abroad than ever. Americans are watching just as we head into the midterms of 2022. Republicans out there, of course, are going to do him no favors.
0: Axios co founder Mike Allen. Thank you, Mike.
1: Now, usually I say, have the best week. Hard to do it after that recitation, but I wish you the best for the fall.
0: We'll be back in 15 seconds with deepening problems for the U.S. immigration system. Welcome back to Axios today. I'm Nyla Budu. The U.S. immigration system was already overwhelmed, and that's before thousands of Afghan refugees entered the system. Now the crisis is making the existing bottlenecks in the system even worse. Axios political reporter Steph Kite is here to explain how—hey, Steph, good morning. Good morning, Nyla. Can you tell us what President Biden is facing now as Afghan refugees
2: try to relocate to the U.S.? We're seeing a surge at the U.S.-Mexico border that's lasted for months, which is unusual. There are also backlogs that have always existed in the system when it comes to paperwork and getting visas out. So then on top of that, we have Afghans trying to come to the U.S., whether they're seeking refugee status or trying to go through the special immigrant visa process. Both take a really long time and time isn't exactly what we've had when it comes to quickly getting Afghans out of Afghanistan.
0: And Steph, when we talk about Afghan refugees, part of that group also includes unaccompanied minors,
2: yeah, we've heard so far that there are dozens of unaccompanied kids who are Afghans who have been brought into the U.S. That number is obviously changing, so we don't know the latest number. But the last we heard is that it was dozens of them who are already in the U.S. And a lot of them will go through the same process as unaccompanied kids who cross the U.S.-Mexico border. So they'll be placed in shelters that are overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services. And we've seen the complications that come with that. About one in five migrant kids have been testing positive for covid in recent weeks, according to sources I spoke to. And I've also recently reported that HHS has lost contact with about one in three migrant kids that they release to parents or other people who are in the U.S.
0: What is the Biden administration doing to try to alleviate all of this pressure on a system that was already overwhelmed?
2: You know, we've heard about them working on, for example, regulations that would make the asylum process quicker by changing up the way that asylum applications are processed at the border. They've also worked to speed up the special immigrant visa process, which is the process that a lot of Afghans who help the U.S. military would have to go to. They've set up dozens of emergency shelters, whether it's for unaccompanied kids or for Afghans. So we're seeing them respond to these emergencies, but it it doesn't give them as much time to really fix the longer term issues. One thing is the The backlogs in visas, looking at the way we hand out visas. Should there be other categories? Some of those bigger questions that the administration has pushed legislation on, but oftentimes they can't really fix those long-term issues on their own. It really does fall on Congress.
0: Axios political reporter, Steph Kite. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me. I'm working from New York City all this week, including yesterday, Labor Day, where the very first Labor Day march was held in 1882, as the American labor movement was growing strong with the creation of unions, banning child labor, and the eight-hour workday. Of course, fast forward to today, and we're normally talking about the decline of organized labor. But now union membership among the American workforce is at its highest point in five years, about 11%. Axios' business editor, Dan Premack, has been reporting on this. Dan, why is it going up?
3: Union membership did go down last year. It just didn't go down by nearly as much as regular jobs went down. So it's now a bigger percentage of the workforce than it was before the pandemic, basically because unions protected more jobs than non-unionized jobs.
0: What kind of impact do you think this could have on the labor force as we think about efforts to unionize gig workers or other parts of the economy?
3: this really right now, say 2021, 2022, really is a major inflection point for organized labor, uh, which, as you said earlier, has been in decline for a long time, in part because it hasn't done a terribly good job adjusting to the new realities of work, right? Labor unions are very much kind of manufacturing-focused, some service work, but not so much as you say gig workers, Starbucks workers, warehouse, Amazon workers, et cetera. And there have been these efforts recently to try to get these new types of work unionized. There hasn't been much success. Yet, but if you're going to do it, this is kind of the moment, and you are seeing a real push, including from unions like the Teamsters trying to push it.
0: Dan Permak is Exus's business editor and writes the Pro Rata newsletter. Thanks for being with us, Dan. Thank, Thank you. you. That's it for us today. Thanks so much to Margaret Taleb, Hope King, and Erica Pandey for filling in for me while I enjoyed a wonderful and relaxing vacation. And big thanks to all of you who got in touch while I was out. The Axios Today team is in New York all this week, as I mentioned, and we'll have some special coverage ahead of the 9-11 anniversary coming up this weekend. September 11th, 2001 was actually the beginning of my journalism career. I was in Washington, D.C. And I was wondering if you're reflecting back on 9-11 this week also. Tell us how. Text me a voice memo, including your name and location, to 202-918-4893. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.